The following sermon is from the Collected Sermons of Thomas Manton on Hebrews 11. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The benefit and advantage of this act and the use of faith in the spiritual life. 1. It is very necessary we should have such a faith as should substantiate our hopes. To check sensuality. For we find the corrupt heart of man is all for present satisfaction. And though the pleasures of sin be short and inconsiderable, yet because they are near at hand, they take more with us than the joys of heaven, which are future and absent. A man would wonder at the folly of men that should, with Esau, sell his birthright for a morsel of meat. Hebrews 12:16, That they should be so profane as to sell their Christ and glory, and those excellent things which the Christian religion discovers, to part with the joys of Christianity, for the vilest price. When lust is up and set agog, all considerations of eternal glory and blessedness are laid aside to give it satisfaction. A little pleasure, a little gain, a little convenience in the world will make men part with all that is honest and sacred. A man would wonder at their folly, but the great reason is they live by sense. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, Second Timothy 4.10. There lies debate. These things are present with us. We can taste the delights of the creatures and feel the pleasures of the flesh. But the happiness of the world to come is a thing unseen and unknown. Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we shall die, 1 Corinthians 15.32. This is the language of every carnal heart. Let us take up with present things. Who will venture upon the practice of a duty difficult and distasteful to his affections, and forego what we see and enjoy upon the uncertain hopes of things to come? Present advantages, nay vanities, though they may be small and very trifles, yet have more power to pervert us in good things at a distance, nay than all the promises of God to allure and draw in our hearts to God. And here lies the root and strength of all temptations. The inconveniences of strictness and religion are present. There is a present distaste and present trouble to the flesh, and the rewards are future. Here is a great snare. Therefore, how we should do to check this living by sense that is so natural to us. Why faith, substantiating our hopes, provides a remedy. For that makes things to come to work as if they were already enjoyed the date of judgment to work upon us as if we did see Christ upon his white throne, and the books open in heaven as if we were ready now to enter into it. Where faith is lively and strong, and is the evidence of things not seen, it baffles and defeats all temptations. The war and conflict in men's hearts are carried on under these two captains, faith and sense. All the forces of the spiritual and regenerate part are drawn and led up by faith. Sense, on the other side, marshals all the temptations of the world and the flesh. Sense is all for enjoyment and actual possession. Now faith, to vanquish it, gives a substance and makes things to come present to us, and makes us sensible of other satisfactions and contentments, which are far better. And there lies the strength of the renewed part, and the great success of the spiritual battle is in the liveliness of hope, and in the certainty of faith. 
that it may make those things work as present, which sense judges absent and afar off. That is the reason why faith and sense are so often opposed in Scripture. Faith forestalls the joys of heaven and makes them to be in the mind and judgment and upon the heart of a believer, that the restraint from present delights may seem less irksome. If it be laborious and difficult to serve God, yet it is for heaven. All that the devil can plead who works by sense is the enjoyment of a little present profit and pleasure. He cannot promise heaven and glory or anything hereafter. Now therein he thinks he has the start of God. Heaven is to come. But the delights and advantages of sin are at hand. Faith, to baffle the temptation, strongly fixes the heart of a believer upon things to come. That in some sort it does pre-unite their souls and their happiness together. And by giving them heaven upon earth, confirms a soul in a belief of better things than the devil or the world can propose. So you see that to defeat the temptation there needs to be faith, that it may strongly fix the heart of a believer upon things to come and put him within the company of the blessed, that in some sort he may have heaven upon earth, and such a certain persuasion of better things that he may look upon all that the devil, the world and the flesh, oppose to him as a weak and paltry thing. Number two, faith gives strength and support to all the graces of the spiritual life. The great design of religion is to bring us to a neglect of present happiness and to make the soul to look after a felicity yet to come. And a great instrument of religion by which it promotes this design is faith, which is as a scaffold and ladder to the spiritual building. It is useful to all the other graces, whether they be doing or suffering graces. We are assaulted on every side, both on the right hand and on the left, as the Apostle says in Second Corinthians 6, 7. On the one side, by the pleasures of the flesh. On the other side, by the frowns of the world. And therefore the armor of righteousness must be fitted on both sides, that we may be strengthened on the right hand against the pleasures, profits, and honors of the world and on the left hand against troubles, disgraces, and bitter persecutions. If we would stand our ground and be faithful in the business of our heavenly calling, we must look for these two things, to do for God and to suffer for God. For these two ways a Christian approves himself to God. By suffering we declare our loyalty. By doing we perform our homage. Question. Indeed it is a pretty question. In which of these we manifest most love to God, either mortifying our lusts or renouncing our interests to which the chiefest crown of honor is due, whether to be set upon the head of the suffering faith or the active or doing faith? Solution. It may be pleaded on the one side that in holiness or the active part of duty, we only give away our ill-being for Christ by crucifying our lusts which are enemies to our peace as well as to the crown of heaven. But by suffering we lose being and well-being, our lives and livelihood, and all for Christ. Therefore it seems there should be more love in that. But on the other side it may be pleaded thus, that there are many that suffer for Christ, who sacrifice a stout body to a stubborn mind, and because they are engaged they will suffer, yet are not able to quit a lust for him. 
And it may be pleaded that victory is less over outward inconveniences and inward lusts which are rooted in our nature, and so more hard to be overcome. And the enduring trouble and hardship is more easy than subduing of sin, and that it is the sharpest martyrdom a man can endure to tame his flesh. It is a harder thing to be a holy person than to be a martyr. Thus you see each part indeed has its difficulties, which I have mentioned, partly to satisfy them that are not called to suffer, yet you have employment enough by faith to mortify your lusts, and indeed there is a harder work. It is easier to withstand an enemy than a temptation. When we conflict with an enemy, we do but conflict with an arm of flesh and blood. But when the apostle speaks of the inward warfare, he says in Ephesians 6.12, we fight not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers, and partly to show that there are inconveniences on both hands, and a great deal of difficulty. And there is need of all the strength that possibly we can have, both for doing and suffering. We need faith on either side, that we might be holy and willing to do for God, and that we may be courageous and willing to die for God. But why should I debate this difference? Let me compound it, rather. Holiness and suffering must both go together. For no one can suffer for Christ, but they whose hearts are drawn forth to love him above all things. The priests, under the law, were to search the burnt offering, and if it were scabby, or had any blemish upon it, it was to be laid aside and not offered. The Lord does not desire a scabbed carnal man should suffer for him. He that keeps the commandments is best able to suffer for them. In Matthew 5, first Christ says, Blessed are the pure in heart. Verse 8, Then blessed are they that suffer for righteousness' sake. Verse 10, The blessings of martyrdom is put in the last place implying that a martyr must have all the precedent graces of meekness, humility, poverty of spirit, and so on. Therefore, we must look for doing the will of God and suffering the will of God before these promises be accomplished and the things we hope for brought about. To suffer for God. It is oftentimes a crime to be faithful to Christ's interests and a manner of danger to be a thorough Christian. When men are exposed to affronts and troubles and disgraces, they need all the wisdom and grace that possibly they can get together. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. There will be our best furniture. Why? For this will teach us to counterbalance our temptations with our hopes. It puts your hopes in one balance. When the devil puts a world with all its terrors, disgraces, and losses in the other, and then the soul triumphs and says that our losses are no more to be compared with our gains than a feather is to be set against a talent of lead. I reckon, saith the apostle in Romans 8.18, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. And a bitterness of the cross is allayed and sweetened by comparing our hopes with it. Thus Moses sets a recompense of reward against the loss of the pleasures treasures, and honors of Egypt, Hebrews eleven twenty four and 25. And those forty martyrs, Basile speaks of that, were kept naked in the open air in a cold, frosty night, and to be burnt the next day they cried out, sharp as a cold, but sweet as paradise, troublesome as a way, 
pleasant as the end of the journey. Let us endure the cold for the present, and the patriarch's bosom shall soon warm us, and so on. These passages will truly open the meaning of the apostle, that faith is the substance of things hoped for. When we can really set one against the other, and bear the hardest lot that can befall us upon expectation of our blessed hopes, and that of the apostle does notably open it in Second Corinthians 4.16. For this cause we don't faint. Why? Verse 18. Well, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That is, when we are supported and fortified by our remembrance and certain expectation of our blessed hopes. When the Jews were full of fury against Stephen in Acts 7.56, he saw the heavens opened. And so he fortified himself against the anger and shower of stones from the people. There was somewhat of a miracle and ecstasy in that vision. The glory of heaven being represented not only to his soul, but possibly to his senses by some external representation. But as to the substance of the comfort itself, it is that which falls out ordinarily in a way of believing. Faith opens heaven to a believer and brings him to the company of the blessed. And when the soul is taken up with the thoughts of another world, it can better digest trouble here. Faith is a perspective of a soul. He sees heaven opened and glory prepared for him, and then the temptation vanishes. This is a reason believers can endure plundering and spoiling of good. Hebrews 10.34 Faith is a substance of things hoped for. Let goods go, saith the believer, so he may keep his interest in the better and more enduring substance. The Christians in the primitive times were first exposed to the rapine and malice of the rude people, before actions at law or any legal process was formed against them by the persecuting edicts of the Roman emperors for their profession. And the Jews were most fierce against Christians in that kind. They would spoil them, and they could have no advantage against them. Now they took joyfully. They were willing to part with him as Joseph with his coat to keep his conscience and acquit all worldly possessions, because they had an assurance of a better and a more enduring substance, so that it is of great use to support suffering graces as fortitude and self-denial. To do for God as to the doing part, those graces serve for doing the will of God, which is our constant trial. Look to the several parts of our duty, number one, for the destructive part, or the work of mortification. When heaven is in the eye and heart of a believer, when it is preoccupied by his faith, sin has less power upon the heart. When faith gives substance and being to your hopes, it will appear in your lives. You will mortify corruption and study holiness, while you can set the pleasures on God's right hand against the pleasures of sin. And you can reason thus, Romans 13:13, 13, 13, If I live after the flesh, I shall die. But if I, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, I shall live. You will be more able to bear with the difficulties of religion when you see you do not act upon an uncertain futurity 
You do not fight as those that are uncertain, as the apostle speaks in Hebrews 10, 36, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Nay, before we have done the whole will of God, faith receives the promise. We have the root, though not the blossom. It is true Christ calls to suffer unpleasing austerities. I but heaven makes amends for them all. Therefore, whenever sensitive desires insinuate themselves, Faith can see carnal pleasures are base, and but the happiness of beasts, and they are short pleasures of sin for a season, Hebrews 11.25, and they issue themselves into unspeakable torments, they shall mourn at last, Proverbs 5.11. When the devil would make you faint and lazy in the work of the Lord, faith can represent the short continuance of the present difficulty. So when the devil would beget irksome thoughts of duty, Faith can represent endless delights that will follow. And then the believer determines it is better to go to heaven with labor than to hell with pleasure. This is that which made Moses, who had an eagle eye, so victorious. Hebrews 11.26 He had respect to the recompense of the reward, which made him despise the pleasures and treasures and honors of Egypt. The looking upon the recompenses makes hope to have such an influence on the life. For those views and foretastes of heaven will beget such a strong persuasion in the heart of a believer that all the reasons in the world shall not alter or break the force of his spiritual purpose. When the devil tempts to filthiness, uncleanness, wantonness, faith presents hopes of being consorts and followers of the unspotted and immaculate lamb. When we are tempted to neglect duty for worldly advantages, Faith opposes the glory of our inheritance, the riches of the new Jerusalem, and what is the hope of our high calling and the good treasure God has opened to us in the new covenant. If we are tempted to hunt after worldly honor, faith proposes a crown of righteousness, which the just and righteous God will give us that day. If the fear of disgrace makes us loosen and slacken our duty, Faith proposes a confusion of faith in which the wicked shall appear before the throne of the Lamb, and the disgrace that shall fall upon the wicked at the great day. So when we are tempted to murmuring and repining under the cross, faith will assure that, though the way be rough, the end of the journey will be sweet, so that the promises are like cordials next the heart, and keep the poison from seizing upon the vital spirits and preserves a soul in holy generousness and bravery for God. They tell us of rivers of pleasure that stream out of the heart of Jesus Christ and the sweet content we shall enjoy with God forevermore. Number two, for diligence and seriousness in a holy life, the nearer things are, the greater and the more they work upon us, and the further off, the less. Those never thought of repentance that put far away the evil day, Amos 6, 3. A star at a distance, though of great magnitude, seems like a spark or spangle. We are sensible of things more the nearer they are. Distance does much alter our apprehension of things. We have not the same notions of eternity living as we shall have when we come to die. Oh, when time begins to draw to an end and we are going into the other world, what would we give to live over our lives again? Oh, how diligent, watchful, serious should we be if we had the sense of eternity upon our hearts. Now how shall we do to make things at a distance to be near to us? Thus faith is a perspective of the soul. 
as by a perspective glass we see things at a distance as if they were present and near at hand. So faith apprehends things at a distance and makes them work upon us. Certain expectation produces industrious prosecution. Philippians 3.14, I press on to the mark, Paul says, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We make the world believe that heaven and hell are things spoken in jest, whilst we are so careless about them. But when we apprehend them in good earnest and have a true sense of them, then we follow working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. We see that all the diligence and holy care we can use is little enough to carry away this great prize of the internal enjoyment of God. By faith you look within the veil and lift up the heart to the heavenly joys, and this keeps the heart watchful over the blessed hope. It is a description of a believer in Jude verse 21 looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Now we have no other eye but faith, and faith stands you instead as it confirms you in the certainty of your hopes. Heaven is in the heart of by faith, and therefore the heart is in heaven by spiritual meditation. All their thoughts are about their country, Philippians 3.20. For our conversation is in heaven, and all the business of their lives is to approach nearer to the hopes. Paul was taken up into the third heaven. Faith gives you a temperate and deliberate view, though not by such a rapid motion, yet by serious and solemn thoughts. It so keeps the soul in a heavenly frame and expectation, and puts your head above the clouds and in the midst of the world to come. The apostle bids us to lay up in store for ourselves a good foundation against the time to come, that we may lay hold of eternal life, 1 Timothy 6.19. Now faith does not only lay the first stone, but the whole heap is increased. The work of holiness is carried on by the help and assistance of faith, which keeps heaven and eternal life in the view of the soul, and so encourages heavenly motions and endeavors. Number three, for contentment, that is a necessary part of the holy life. This contentment is twofold. Under the difficulties and inconveniences of the present life, and under the lack and distance of our future comfort. First, under the difficulties and inconveniences of the present life, faith sweetens all the afflictions of this life by presenting the advantages of the future and balances what we feel with what we expect. The shortest life is long enough to be sensible of inconveniences and many calamities. But though the way is rough, faith sees heaven at the end of the journey. And so it conveys real support and comfort to the soul and heart of a believer. A Christian may live in the sweetness of tranquility in the midst of all outward disturbances, because the presence of his hopes makes amends for all and gives him a happy dedolency, that he feels nothing. Whereas when faith is weak, we soon faint, Psalm 119, 92. Unless I law had been my delight, I had perished in my affliction. There is such a sweetness in the word that when faith takes hold of it, the sense of worldly misery is overwhelmed and quenched. Faith is like a cordial that keeps off the poison of affliction from the vital spirits and the poison of the encumbrances of the present life from the soul. Psalm twenty-seven, thirteen. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. That is, without the sense of eternal happiness, I had been utterly lost. Heaven is properly the land of the living, and that he respects.
To see God in the land of the living is as much as to enjoy God in heaven, and so the Chaldee explains it, in the land of life eternal. Second, it helps us to contentment under the lack and distance of our future comforts. Let it not seem a paradox that here the conflict is hardest. It is easier to bear the evil than wait for the promised good, for sorrows are better and sooner allayed than desires. Desires are the vigorous bent of the soul, and they are impatient of check, chiefly when they are drawn forth upon reasons of religion, and usually after much mortification. It is very hard to tarry the Lord's leisure for the enjoyment of their hopes when their hearts are weaned from the world. Their pulse then beats strongly towards Christ, and it is a hard matter to cool and restrain the vehemence of their desires, especially towards our latter end. The nearer we are to the enjoyment of any good, the more impatient we are of the lack of it. As a stone moves faster, when nearest to center, all natural motion is swifter in the close. So a Christian's motions, though slow in the beginning, are swift in the close. Therefore their hearts beat with longing desires, ready to break within them for the enjoyment of Christ. And this burden is the greater because faith gives a partial enjoyment. But the same faith which stirs up those desires also yields a remedy against the vehemence of them. Desire is not only the fruit of hope. But patience, Second Peter 3.12, looking for or waiting for and yet hastening to the coming of the Lord. The word in the original, looking for, notes a patient bearing. Now these two words seem contrary, waiting, yet hastening. This is the disposition of the people of God. They look for and they hasten to the Lord's coming. They covet the everlasting state and yet wait God's leisure. There is a vehemence and yet a regularity in their expectations, and both are promoted by this act of faith. For faith gives certainty, and that quiets the soul, though there be not present enjoyment. The first effect of faith is a present interest and title, and he that believes does not make haste. Isaiah twenty-eight sixteen. These prolibations of heaven we have in the world. The scripture gives us under a double notion, the first fruits and earnest. The first fruits are tastes, how good, and an earnest or pledge, how sure. Under the quality of the first fruits, they awaken desires and vehement longings, Romans eight twenty three. We that have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our bodies. A Christian has tasted how sweet God is in Christ, therefore he groans after the full enjoyment of him. As they are in earnest, 2 Corinthians 1.22, who has sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. So it is a ground of waiting. We may trust God if he has given us an earnest. It is not for the comfort of a man to carry his inheritance at his back. It is enough that he has a right and title. Faith is every way as sure, though not as sweet as sense, and therefore a believer waits as long as God has anything for him to do in this world upon the security of faith. It is true he is in a strait. His desires press him, yet he will wait. Thus Paul in Philippians one twenty three and 24, I am in a strait between two, having a desire to be dissolved and be with Christ, but to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. 
A Christian is thus divided between his own profit and God's will and God's glory. But at length faith casts the scales and brings him to a holy contentment with the pleasure of God. The first fruits beget longings, and the earnest keeps us from murmuring and discontent. So the sureness sweetens the pain which the remoteness occasions. Application 1. Examine whether you have this kind of faith or not, which is the substance of things hoped for. To discover how little of this faith there is in the world, consider, many men say they believe, but alas, what influence have their hopes upon them? Do they affect them? Do they engage them as things present and sensible do? Alas, in the general things temporal work more upon us than things eternal, and things visible than things invisible. Number two, you may discern it by your courage in any trial and temptation. When heaven and the world come in competition, can you deny present carnal advantages upon the hopes of eternity? Do you forsake all this knowing you shall have a thousand times better in another world? Application two, to exhort you to work up faith to such an effect that it may be the substance of things hoped for. Work up your faith in a way of meditation. Let your minds be exercised in the contemplation of your hopes. Matthew 6:21. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be. There is nothing that you prize, but your minds will run upon it. How freely and frequently can we think of other things, our lusts, our pleasures, our ordinary occasions? And shall we have never a thought of that place where our treasure is? Our God, our Christ, our happiness is there? Should not our hearts be there too? Oh, take a turn now and then in the land of promise. See what is made over to you in Christ. Think of the beauty and glory of that happiness. Surely if we did believe and esteem it, we would have freer thoughts of that heaven and that happiness God has made over to us. Secondly, work it up in a way of argumentation. Faith is a reasoning grace. Hebrews 11.19 Accounting that God was able to raise him even from the dead. Reason with yourselves thus. Is there not a blessed estate reserved in heaven for all to come to God in Christ? And so for me, if I come to Christ. Others have the possession, and you have the grant. The deed is sealed, and you have the conveyances to show. Have you not under God's hand and seal? Have you not a promise made to all that believe and repent of their sins and are willing to walk with God and are fruitful in good works? Is not heaven made over to such, and God promises were ever made good? Number three, work it up in a way of expectation. Long for it, look for it, wait for it. Titus 2.13 Looking for the blessed hope in Jude verse 21. Looking for the mercy of God unto eternal life. I have a gracious God and a tender-hearted Savior in heaven. I am therefore looking and longing till I am called up to the enjoyment of them. Number four, work it up in a way of supplication. Put in your claim, Lord. I take hold of the grace offered in the gospel and desire the Lord to secure thy claim. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterwards receive me to glory. In Psalm 43, 3, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me, let them bring me to thy holy hill and to thy tabernacle. 